leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm-hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clips. We reshot the scene, and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters, an L.A. native, and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clear wherever you get your podcasts. June Lee, Courtney Cronin, Tim Kalashuk, Clinton Yates. On the All-Star game. Oof, super slow-mo of Stanton's home run. Should be the new MLB logo. I love that. And one week after the Bengals pulled us double white and gave us maybe the greatest look ever, the Panthers go black and lay down maybe the greatest look ever. Let's go. That is a who you got for all ages. We didn't get the home run derby extra inning rule, but we did get Stanton and Buxton going back to back combined 880 feet. And we also got some awesome mic'd up moments. Here we go, there's one. Here we go, there's two. He caught it. Right down the middle, but we'll take it three punches. <laughs> but if you liked Hitler's baseball, well, we, we got that for you too. The NL went about half a game without a hit. AL's ninth straight win. A streak you didn't even know there was. Clint Yates, you were there. You're wearing the hoodie. What did we just witness? I think what we witnessed from the weekend as a whole is that from a player product standpoint, MLB actually has something going for it. There are so many new names, so many first-timers that were in this game, a number that was only surpassed by last year, introducing the game to a lot more people. No, the days of Charlie Hustle knocking people in the next week to win an All-Star game are over. These people are here to have fun, and when you mic them up and when you show them who they are for what they are, you get it. From the MLB draft standpoint, we had a historic night, and from on the night itself, we got to honor Rachel Robinson, whose 100th birthday it was, there's a lot to offer from baseball in terms of the product the players put together. The league, that's another story that we'll get to later. But this weekend, a rousing victory for Clinton Yates. Tim Kalashaw, the game last night, how about you? I hate to argue with a man wearing an MLB logo all over his sweatshirt, but, you know, I'm glad Clinton had a great weekend. For the fans, watching a three-hour game in which the National League did not hit for over two hours, it was not so good. And let me say this. The National League's now lost nine in a row. So, you know, do we, should we feel sorry for this league? Mookie Betts drives in a run in the first inning. Home run from Goldschmidt in the first inning. Alonzo bats in the first inning. Those guys never showed up again. They're out of the game. Their night is over. All-stars should stay into the game to the fifth or sixth inning. Give them a couple Ooh, of bats. Okay. Let the fans see mm. the stars of the league that, that Clinton is so high on before we get in a hurry to get Jake Cronenworth out there for that final at bat. Courtney Cronin, I'll bring you in here. 
Yeah, I think that we learned how hard it is for the best hitters in the game to make contact with the best pitchers in the game. I mean, these guys are throwing fastballs nearing 100 miles an hour, breaking balls that are absolutely insane. There's a reason that the National League scored those first two runs off Shane McClanahan and then didn't score again, didn't hit another run until the eighth inning. There was a pretty boring stretch there if you're a National League fan. But man, I've got to give it to Byron Buxton for this game, that 425-foot bomb that he hit in the fourth inning to give the American League the lead there. Like, what an incredible story. I think he should have won the MVP. I don't know how everybody feels about that coming out mm. of this game, but that was what was the most exciting part Ooh, to me watching. Hot fire MVP debate from Courtney Cronin <laughs> of the All-Star Game. And June Lee, now to you. Well, I think we saw a definitive shift in terms of the showcase event of the weekend from the All-Star game to the Home Run Derby. And there's been a lot of talk about mm. the Derby rule changes and Julio Rodriguez is probably exploiting them. He's kind of taking a Papa shot type of strategy <laughs> in terms of trying to hit as many home runs as possible throughout the event. But I think we also saw that there was a level of star power and a level of showcasing personality, style, all this stuff that happened in the Home Run Derby that hasn't happened before. I really think that MLB should be taking the success of the Home Run Derby and expanding upon that, adding a skills competition, throwing you know balls from the outfield into a bucket at home plate, there, uh, you know doing a bunting competition. There's so many other things that you can do to spotlight the skill that it takes to play baseball while also showing the personality of this young generation through its style, its flair, and the fact that that Gen Z has basically taken over baseball at this point. So Drew makes the argument now. Here's another debate that Home Run Derby has taken over for the game and the whole weekend maybe should be a derby and skills competition thing. Clinton Yates, please respond to June there. Yes, I mean, that's what I'm saying here is that the fun part is what we're all here for. Not all of us, Tim, are forced to watch the Texas Rangers night in and night out to the point that we need to chalk talk the All-Star game to death, all right? The guys are there. They're the best players in the league. We all know what they have to offer, and showcasing it is what this weekend is about. Not about some guy staying in a game, an exhibition at that, potentially to get hurt so that a win can be had by a league that's who's counting it. Kalashaw, I'll let you back in. I'm sorry that there's a generation of fans that doesn't even need the game to be played anymore. They just need guys standing around doing some various skill competition and say, wow, isn't that great? He can hit home runs off a ball thrown like this from 30 <laughs> feet away. That's magical. June. Okay, Boomer. Well, well not, watch yourself yeah, there, June. I mean, he makes a point, right? June, you didn't even address the game at all. Was the game a, a complete no-go for you? Smart. No, the game was fine. It's just I think that there's much more excitement around the home run derby than there is the all-star game at this point. I think it's a much better showcase for what the future of baseball can be from a personality standpoint than the all-star game because the novelty of the all-star game has gone with interleague play now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anybody going to jump with Cronin there? That uh, Buxton was robbed of the MVP of the all-star game? That Stanton, they both hit big home runs. You could have given it to either. All right. We'll move on. Biggest guys story. from L.A., that's why he Biggest won. story from All-Star Week. Washington Nationals saying they'll make one more offer to Juan Soto. If he doesn't sign, they'll trade him by the deadline. Current offer, reportedly the biggest end number ever, $440 million. But also, that would be the 20th highest yearly contract in the game. Team didn't charter Juan Soto a plane to home run derby by the way, which, of course, he won. So this is getting a little dirty here, Clinton. What are the Nationals doing? Is there any trade that would be enough for Juan Soto? 
I don't think so. But the question is not just what are the Nationals doing. In this particular case, it's who are the Nationals going to be, literally, in terms of their ownership group. That group the learners is looking to sell. The Juan Soto part of it is a huge element to what that team is going to be. And if I'm Soto, I'm not going to sit up here and sign for money when I don't even know if the owners are going to be the same Mm. team. As for the trade, I don't know that you can get equal value for a generational player like this. Building up a team through your draft and all that – that's a crapshoot. It may or may not happen. So for the Nationals, it's a very difficult situation because you're trying to sell something to a guy that doesn't have to buy it. But at the same time, you don't even know who you're going to be. Trading him right now would be a death knell for a lot of Nats fans who think that this team is actually trying to win. As it turns out, they're a feeder franchise for the rest of the league. Just look at all the guys that have walked out of D.C. in the last five years. Follow-up question, though. Trading now, he still has years left on his deal. Why now? desperation to prove that you think you can get something. And I don't think that's necessarily the right way to go. If you're asking me if I'd rather have as a fan a bunch of draft picks that might pan out five years down the road or the generational star, most people will just take the generational star, win or lose, because that's what they like. Goonley, bring you in here. I mean, this situation reminds me a lot of what the Red Sox went through with Mookie Betts, where I think it's impossible to get back equal value given the level of talent that Soto has. He's 23 years old. He's got numbers that stack up to Ted Williams. Like, this is a generational talent. There's no prospect combination that could possibly equate the value of Juan Soto and what he brings to a team on a night-to-night basis. The only way the Nationals are going to be able to trade him and get something of equal value back is if you add on a Patrick Corbin contract or a, a, a Steven Strasburg contract. And in that case, like, you know, the Red Sox did that with Mookie Betts and David Price. That's not necessarily what you want to do if you want to try to maximize kind of the future of the franchise where you're basically salary dumping two guys and also trading on Juan Soto as kind of a side piece in order to make sure that you're rebuilding again. If I'm the Washington Nationals, you want to build around Juan Soto or try to get as much back in the future rather than trying to just dump him right now when he's 23 Are you sensing, though, that this got sour very, very quick? One more offer and that's it, even though he's got years left in his contract. And, oh, no, you're flying commercial to the home run derby. Did it get unnecessarily petty? I think it is unnecessarily petty, but this has been building up for a while. We're probably just hearing about it right now because this kind of sour sentiment between a team and a player doesn't happen overnight. It's a lot of small stuff building up over the course of time. You know, the Nationals undervaluing Soto in their first contract offer to him. This doesn't just happen overnight. This has been a relationship dynamic that has been building over the course of months and months and months. Courtney Cronin. And no one can fault Juan Soto for this. Like, why would you sign the next 15 years of your career to something you don't know which direction the team's going to go under the new ownership? This team won the World Series not that long ago, but they're awful right now. And their farm system is awful. Mm -hmm. So you can't fault them necessarily for trying to figure out, okay, next step has to be rebuilding the entire team. But there's a reason that Juan Soto's not happy about this. It's the average annual salary, which he'd be making less than $30 million a year, that would be less than what Corey Seager signed for, what Nolan Ariando signed for, what Francisco Lindor signed for, when they were both older and less efficient players than on Soto is currently. He's the former NL MVP runner-up from a year ago. He deserves more than that. That that contract should start with a five. That has to be the first number. First $500 million player in baseball. Ah, there's nothing like spending other people's money, Corey. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> and Tim Kalashaw, how about you? Let's just make it six. Why not go to six? It's not normal. Maybe it should, though. I think, no, I think they should go the other way. I don't know how baseball got caught up in these 10, 12, 13-year deals that take guys near their 40th birthday. Take a page from the NBA, shorter contracts with big money, where where Soto, give him six years at $30 a year, which is way more than he's going to get in arbitration these next two years. So that's a good contract, whatever number you arrive at. And then he's still a free agent. 
if he wants to be when he's 29 years old. The list of teams that would want Juan Soto? I mean, isn't it every single team in the league? Oh. All of them? I mean, the, Padres. You like the Padres over maybe the Yankees yeah. making a move? Okay. All right. One more story here. The sport had so much ground to make up after the lockout this spring. Two things ongoing this weekend. One was conversations about race in the game. You saw Mookie Betts' t-shirt. And another was conversations about living wage for minor league players. Hannah Kaiser of Yahoo asked Commissioner Rob Manfred about that. And he said he rejects the premise of the question that minor leaguers are not being paid a living wage. Said there's been progress. Said they get, well, they get housing. June Lee, you report on this extensively. How do you read and hear Commissioner uh, Manfred there? There's a sense of desperation because Manfred is being backed into a corner. The antitrust exemption is being questioned by the Senate, which would fundamentally change the business of the entire sport. And then you have the growing labor movement in the minor leagues right now, where guys feel more and more empowered, especially because they made ground on the housing uh, situation last year, where there's now, you know, given housing to every single minor leaguer. Minor leaguers feel empowered to speak up right now. There's growing momentum towards a union at the current moment because guys feel like they have the power, they collect the power to speak up together. Uh, and we've seen Major League Baseball reacting to all the pressures of this moment. So, Rob Manfred is in a corner where there is a sense of desperation to try to do something about it, but there's not a whole lot he can do at this point. So you heard desperation. Clint Yates, what did you hear? I would say his tone was downright villainous. I mean, you know what upsets me the most, Tony, when these guys get up on stages and start talking a lot of trash is insulting my intelligence. You don't think that the living wage situation is one? Well, then maybe you just don't know what a living wage is, Commissioner. And that's a bigger issue here. We got guys sleeping in their cars, and you're trying to tell me that there's not a problem with the minor leagues? You should not have to convince people that investing in your own product is the way that you make it better. And this guy acts like we don't know the difference. We do. It's odd. Housing being included in compensation is something not all players are currently living with Clinton Yates? Is that what you're suggesting? What I'm saying is that if we ever get to the point where people are having to, again, sleep in cars in order to play baseball and pursue their dreams, you've got a huge problem on your hand that isn't just about whether or not one guy thinks living wage is what it is. You're not just you're not respecting your players the way you should to make the best product. Yates, Lee, in the league. Kalisha Cronin, some work to do with Fire Cell next. The Horn is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live la vida más fina. Part of happy hour. And in part by Geico. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guarantee fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you tired of uncomfortable, stuffy clothing when you're on the move? Task Performance is here to revolutionize your active lifestyle. Crafted with their innovative organic cotton and bamboo fabric blend, Task Performance's Carrollton Collection is Task's all-time most popular active wear. 
Tass Carrollton Collection is breathable, moisture wicking, and provides USPF 50 plus sun protection, keeping you fresh, cool, and comfortable all day long. Task has harnessed the natural performance qualities of bamboo to deliver amazingly soft and durable apparel produced in an ethical and sustainable manner. Whether you're hitting the gym or on the trail, the golf course, traveling, the office, or just around town, Task Carrollton Collection will help you feel better, move better, and live better. Available in dozens of colors. See what better looks like at TaskPerformance.com. Use code SPORTS to get 20% off. That's code SPORTS at TASCPerformance.com. Task, creating the most comfortable performance apparel on the planet. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. That Cameron Smith reportedly in negotiation with the LIB Tour after winning the Open. That Henrik Stenson is gone for LIB. Has to give up Ryder Cup captainship. That Charles Barkley reportedly is talking to LIB. And would he have to leave inside the NBA? Clinton Yates, we've done plenty of guys are leaving stories. Does this one feel different? Yes, this is rather alarming. I am breaking the glass in case of emergency, even if I'm not yet pulling out the hydrant to pull out the fire. These are some big names. It seems that everybody's willing to walk. And when three weeks ago this first came up, it was kind of like, nah, this is a sideshow. Nobody's going to have the morals to deal with this. Well, it seems as if they've got a problem on their hands, PGA Tour. You might want to figure this out. I think you're pulling out the extinguisher, not the hydrant. Go ahead, Tim Kalisha. That too. <laughs> uh, I, too, am worried about this. I'm worried enough that I wrote to Charles Barkley. I said I would personally give him $20 not to go to live uh, if this is a financial situation. And he said, I'm stressed, my brother. Be glad when tonight is over. He has a meeting tonight to decide on this. And oh, that's, So you're not joking. You read bad. off the text there. Losing okay. golfers is bad. The possibility of TNT losing Charles Barkley, that's way more significant than losing another golfer. Cody Cronin. Golf is live golf now is tapping into other sports, so that's very concerning. And on top of that, they still have two spots open in their event for next week, so they're going after big names. What we didn't hear Cam Smith say when he got upset about the question after winning the Open this past weekend is, no, I'm staying with the PGA Tour. He didn't openly commit to that, so they could be going after the world number two golfer, which, you know, if you are the PGA Tour right now, you've got to be holding on for dear life because it feels like they are out for world domination at this point, live golf that is, and they're not stopping at anything. Yeah, and I do think that all of this tension is emblematic of a little bit of a generational gap where you know, players who are younger don't necessarily want to have to be in the hamster wheel going after incentives. They ha- want the guaranteed money up front. Now, that being said, if you're going to take that guaranteed money from a country like Saudi Arabia, you have to be willing to answer the questions when people ask you about that. Because if you don't, then you can just take the money and not take the publicity hit. Like, there's, there's, there's some things that people have to publicity work out. Publicity hit there. Phil Mickelson withstood is, was enormous. As time has gone by, that has lessened. Would you not agree? As time has gone by, we've seen the president of the United States fist bumping the regime in Saudi Arabia and how that has changed everybody's, well, not changed, but put a new place in this story is telling as well. We'll move on. Buy or sell too. Track and field world championships is so good, people. How can we turn this into the World Cup, Super Bowl? Every year we should be talking about this A1. One thing I need to talk about from this weekend, 
Philadelphia Eagles receiver Devin Allen. Training camp is next week. It's good that he has his football career to chase off the memory of this Travis mockery, a false start where he wasn't even early. He was 0.099 after the gun, but the rule is everything under 0.100, again, after the gun, is considered a false start because it's in theory, the theory they use here, faster than the human reaction is capable of. Tim, is that a good rule, a bad rule, or the worst rule ever? It's probably the worst rule ever. He, he, he admittedly, by the, the officials, did not start early, yes. yet he is disqualified because they don't think he can start that fast. Uh, they, they have to bend that rule, lower the number to point zero eight. Or Why is there a number anyway? Sure I, I recognize I Courtney Cronin. Are, are they penalizing a guy for guessing here, and is that okay? What we did as humans is try to remove human error by creating these machines so we wouldn't leave it up to any sort of like arbitrary guess. But our error was doing that because we're letting the machines ruin the sport. This is a sport that continues to get in its own way. And I heard Devin Allen say in the post, in his post uh, match, even before, he didn't run, so he just did his interview afterwards. He said, I guess I have to be one one thousandth of a second slower. So. Man, he was. You know, I feel his bad first inning was at point one zero one. That was okay. Point zero nine nine, not okay. June Lee, is this the worst rule ever, or do you understand it in some way? I mean, it's just dumb because it's bad to be this ruthless when technology is involved. Like, there needs to be some room for error with all of this. Like, there has to be a level of the human spirit in regards to all of this, especially as technology becomes more and more a part of sports. But it's an absolute shame for track and field because Devin Allen's a crossover star, an NFL guy, and they're looking for more of an audience and not having this race really, really stinks for them. Just like Tim Kalashaw doesn't tune in to All-Star Weekend to watch guys stand around and do skills competitions, I don't tune in to track meets to watch dudes look at screens and tell me about what their stopwatches are doing post-facto. This is weird to me, man. If you want to get people back on the track, just let the guys run. This is way too much. It is no longer the click-click of the stopwatch. It is motion detected. But again, it was after the gun, not before. He guessed. He guessed right, if you want to say. He doesn't seem like he guessed because he got it within the same number he has. Uh... If you want to just make it about time, then they don't run against each other. It's a race. You run against people. The best start should factor in. Tim Kalashaw, Courtney Cronin needed a better start this time. Yes. Clint Yates, June Lee. Show that next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The Horn is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. 
Live la vida más fina. Part of happy hour. SEC Media Days, let it wash over you. If we have two 20-team leagues, um, you know, how is that going to impact all the people that are not in those leagues? I don't have the answer for how to guardrail that, but NIL has been good to Georgia. We know that in time, Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. Understand now, I have a Boston, Midwestern, Louisiana accent now, so... <laughs> Clinton, who did it best? Who won Media Day? Nobody won Media Day. First of all, we got four days of this nonsense, and these guys aren't even taking shots at each other. I'm not here to hear you complain about NIL and money stuff. Mm -hmm. I want some action between these coaches. Somebody insult somebody. All I know is that Brian Kelly lost. There is no such thing as a... Boston, Midwestern, Louisiana <laughs> accent. He needs to go into the north end of Boston, go into Pizza Regina, and ask people if that accent exists. It does not exist. He needs to get clowned in Boston for this nonsense that's going on right now with his accent. It's the SEC. The what does Boston matter, June? June Lee, 30 He's seconds from of FaceTime. I've heard a lot about the death of the monopop culture over the course of the last couple of years, but I think that is, uh, is is just utterly untrue. I was in Korea over the course of the last few weeks for a lot of family reasons, uh, but one of the things that really jumped out to me was my cousins who have no idea who LeBron James is, who Kanye West is, there was still stuff that we could bond over in a way that I don't think has existed in the past because of the internet and the way that internet culture has bonded a lot of things together across the world. Everyone knows Marvel movies, everyone knows Squid Game, everyone knows Parasite, everyone knows BTS. There's a a lot of stuff that I think people around the world are now united by in a way that we haven't in the past because of the internet. And I think that is a big thing for the future of just the general world that we all have things to, to talk about regardless of where we're from. Okay. We'll see you tomorrow.